which I'm glad there's a culture. I'm glad there's an identity. You need that in any team. But the issue is you can't fall too in love with it where you become arrogant or or blind to reality. And Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect. Just like Weatherman, but way more accurate. So if you like to pick games or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else, you are in the right place. Enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining the next episode of the Sports Forecasters Podcast. I am your host, Nathan, and we got Nick as well here, our co-host. How are we doing today, Nick? Doing pretty well. May is coming to an end, lots of graduations coming up, lots of celebrations, but some of us are not celebrating as much. Let's go ahead and get it over with, Nathan, PGA Championship. Yeah, we got a little golf here. We're going to jump it right into the NBA right after that, but we got to let our listeners know how much uh, I dominated the PGA Championship uh, this past weekend. Um, so just to remind you all, I picked Spieth, McRoy, and Morikawa, um, and... Uh, Nick here picked Thomas McRoy and Shuffle. Well, when all three of your picks don't even make the cut, you're more than likely not going to win. So, McRoy didn't. Uh, uh, McRoy, Spieth, and Morikawa all made the cut. Um, so, I guess you only had two out of the three. I believe McRoy didn't make the cut because he finished 49th in top 50, I believe. Move on. So, uh, Morikawa, the defending champ, ended up getting a top 10 finish. He got eighth. Spieth um, was playing very well, kind of slid there towards the end, ended up getting 30th. And Malcroy got 49th, which was your best. And then your other two, we won't even talk about that because they were in the triple digits, but you just got to quit picking Justin Thomas, man. He's, he's, that's the second time, and he's disappointed both times. So, um, anyway, so I'm looking forward to our next major. We get to do this again. Um, I got, I, I got my revenge. You won this the first time. I won this this time. Um, I think this um, the time I got here is the I think the best um, seventy nine plus H eighty seven total points. I, I can't remember the totals from before, but I think that might be the lowest so far. So, anyways, just got to put that out there. Let's now jump to the NBA. So we got we got a lot here. Um, before we, we jump into the playoffs, you know, we, we've made our predictions. We talked about that, that last episode. Um, at the end of this episode, we're going to give you guys our first, second, and 13 predictions, our defensive player of the year prediction and our MVP prediction. Now they've already, they've already done the most improved player and other awards. Um, so we're not going to guess those, uh, but we're going to do that. Uh, but first let's just kind of break down the NBA playoffs so far. I mean, we're about a week into it now. Um, I think some things we kind of saw as we predicted. Um, Nick's Hulk series looks like it's going to be a, an epic one. And there's some things that are, are coming as quite a shock, like the Los Angeles Clippers. So um, anyways, Nick, I'll, let's start with you. What 
pick a pick a series um, in the West and and just break it down and what what's what's surprising you the most what's really intriguing you the most about a specific series in the West Clippers and Mavericks feels like the same old tune and it's just disappointing to see how this team has evolved I thought the Clippers had worked out these just apparent putting the game together issues and it's obvious not. The Mavericks last year won only two games in their series. They played each other in the opening round in the bubble. And the Clippers looked very dominant the first game. And I want to say the second game as well. Mavs charged back to tie the series and Clippers put them away the next two. And I'm not seeing any sign of the Clippers charging back right now. I'm not saying they're not going to win a game, but it's just very disappointing to see that this team has not worked out whatever their chemistry issue is, leadership issue, whatever you want to put that finger on, they are very much being the hyped Clippers team that will not deliver. If this series ends up being 4-1, 4-2, you really got to take a look in the mirror and say, what needs to be changed? Who needs to move? Because it's obvious you have pieces to do a decent run in the regular season, but you're trying to talk championships here in Los Angeles, Clipper land. You need to step it up. We both talked about it. Lou, it does not seem like the answer. He actually seems like a downgrade or the worst case scenario for this Clippers team. In our opinion, they needed a coach that was more of a disciplinarian. And Lou is, I, I use the word players coach loosely, but he just, he doesn't command the troops like I feel like he needed to. And that's where a lot of his issues came up in Cleveland. I talked a lot on this series, but honestly, it's just more not in surprising in a good sense. It's more disappointing that we're not at least 1-1. It's just been the Mavericks have been pretty well taking it to them. The last game was a little closer, but the Clippers never really showed us signs they were going to take control of that series. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, we'll see what happens with the rest of the series. Maybe they're Road Warriors. We'll see what happens. What are your thoughts on it, Nathan? Yeah, you you look back and it's like the the one change they made from last year to this year because last year was a disappointment. Obviously, blowing a three one lead in the semi conference finals to the Nuggets. But not that I'm a huge Doc Rivers fan. He's still a good coach, and I felt like the one person that they got rid of is the one person that they needed to. To keep, it's like Kawhi Leonard is is not known as a leader. PG thirteen, Paul George isn't known as a leader. They don't really have a leader. Ty Lue, as you pointed out just a moment ago, is a players coach. He's Ty Lue is not a leader. He's not gonna. He he kind of just is a yes man to the to the players. In my opinion, it's just like yeah, you guys kind of do what you want. Like that team has no identity. Has no leader and. And it clearly doesn't when they intentionally were trying to avoid the Lakers in the first round. You're not a championship team if you're already trying to avoid teams in the first round, especially if they're a lower seed than you. So it's it's just ridiculous to think that this team has a championship mentality that has a leader. They don't have any of that. They need to blow this up. Ty Lue needs to be gone. Kawhi Leonard, he's probably he's going to sign somewhere else. Um, and the Clippers are just going to be back to the Clippers again, a mediocre to less than average team in the West that probably either barely makes the playoffs or don't make it at all after this year. That's my prediction. And so I know I talked poorly about them before. 
had them losing in the next round, but um, I had at least thought they could get past the Mavs, who have a very weak defense, but they have they have no answer for Luka. Um, but anyways, I want to jump to another series in the West. Um, Lakers and Suns, and I think this, this series could get ugly fast. And um, I think we both picked the Lakers. Yeah, we definitely both picked the Lakers because I, I believe we both picked them to get the championship uh, to get out of this first round. But when I saw the first game, I, I was getting real scared. But um, the the biggest thing here is uh, Chris Paul's injury. I think the Lakers could just win these next several games here to end up be- beating them 4-1 to one if, if Chris Paul is never completely healthy. And we're going to see here why he should be the MVP. He won't, obviously he's not going to get it. He's not a finalist, but um, Chris Paul is just vital to the Suns. And if he was healthy and playing, this is a series. And it's competitive that the Suns, I think, could potentially have won. But at this point, I just don't, I don't see this being a series if Chris Paul can't stay healthy, if he's not 100%. Uh, what are your thoughts? Like you alluded to, game one gave. A lot of hope for that competitive series. I forecasted in the last episode. I said this game, this series would go seven games, with the Lakers ultimately winning it because of the championship swagger they have and just the talent they have over the Suns. But yeah, this Chris Paul injury has been huge. That last game, they battled back and they made it a competition. But I'm not ready to write them off yet. I feel like the Suns have shown resilience, but Chris Paul would be that X factor to make it closer. It's just going to be a battle of which leader can get their troops together. And fortunately for LeBron, his troops are a bit more talented. If Anthony Davis can keep his head on and be playing at the level or the caliber that everyone has him at this series, it'll go six at least. Maybe not the seven I had originally said, but I feel like the Suns will get at least one more game to push it to six games. But I hope everything can get sore with Chris Paul, whether that's a sting or whatever. But their games have been close so far, so Chris Paul hasn't really had that time to heal, and I think that's something that would be major. So we're going to jump over the East. Nathan, what series in the East is really intriguing you at this point? Yeah, obviously it's the Bucks Heat because I had the Heat winning six. I think the Heat will be lucky to just uh, make a game within 25 points um, at this point. But my, oh my, do the Heat look bad. And, and I go back and look and think about the fact that they were in contention to get a James Harden, but the reason they did not get him or pursue him because they weren't willing to give up a certain player. And it wasn't like bam. It wasn't Jimmy Butler who are really good players. It was Tyler hero and Duncan Robinson. And the, the problem with Miami at times. So there's all this about this heat culture, which I'm glad there's a culture. I'm glad there's an identity. You need that in any team, but the issue is you can't fall too in love with it where you become arrogant or or blind to reality in, in a sense because they could have got James Harden and they chose but but what the Rockets wanted was Duncan Robinson and or Tyler Hero and they were, weren't willing to give them up. See, they for some reason the Heat have fallen in love with these two guys. They think it's like the Splash Bros 2.0 and they're more like the flop bros because they're they're just not going to pan out to what we think they're going to be all Duncan can do is shoot threes he's a liability on defense he's extremely small out there and and people are just I mean Drew Holiday is just 
preventing him. And and the the, the Bucks defense is really good, and they were really good last year, and they're even better this year uh, because they added Drew Holiday, and it's just it's unstoppable, and he just can't get a shot off. And so when they take away really his only strength, he's basically worthless. Tyler Hero has fallen in love more with the city of Miami and a life outside of Miami than with basketball. And he's so distracted. He was supposed to take that sophomore leap this year. He's taken a sophomore setback. And it's just so frustrating to see, like, if only we just given those two guys up to bring in James Harden with Jimmy Butler and Bam. Imagine that team. Of course, we just fall in love with these players, and it's just like Tyler Hero is not the Heat culture. He's distracted. He, it was a red flag when once you could bring your wife in to to the bubble. He brought his Instagram girlfriend in. It's like, come on, guys! Like this guy's not focused on basketball. He's focused on the the Miami culture or the not the Miami Heat culture, the Miami City culture, and just his his. Uh, celebrity status and it's just it's not good and we decided to keep him not get someone like James Harden who's clear the most valuable player on the Brooklyn Nets we get rid of someone like Jay Crowder who's playing very well with the number two seed in Phoenix right now Andre Godala doesn't look very good you know I just felt like they got rid of the wrong players they kept the wrong players and they're just not that good they're just not that good. They're just an average team that's well coached and a very good culture. I feel like if this team was in Houston, if this team was in Cleveland, I mean, they're not a playoff team. They're only a playoff team because of the culture and the coaching and that the, the Heat bring. It's disappointing, and I should have known better. I should not have picked the Heat here. I'm going to jump to football here because I feel like Miami has a, a big problem on their hand. Because they fall in love with these players they draft, like, like the Tyler Heroes, and but they got Doug Good Robinson out of you know undrafted. It's like oh they found a diamond in the rough. But in all honesty, they're both liabilities. Like yeah, they're they're good to some extent, but they're both liabilities. And if you're willing to trade them to get someone that you know is not a liability, you do it. You know there's got to get rid of the loyalty. You got to get rid of. This whole like falling in love with your system. It's like, oh, he fits the heat culture. He fits this. He fits that. This is our guy. And the same issue is with the Dolphins. Miami Dolphins drafted Tua. Here they have an opportunity to trade for Russell Wilson. They have an opportunity to trade for Deshaun Watson. Heck, they even have an opportunity to trade for Aaron Rodgers. And guess what? They won't do any of that because they just love Tua. They think he is the next best thing in Miami since Dan Marino. And he might be. I don't know yet. I just saw him being interviewed saying, man, I didn't even didn't even really know the playbook last year. That's I just wasn't comfortable. I didn't really know the playbook. It's like, bro, you got drafted by Miami. The whole country shut down for months. You should have done nothing besides sit in your home, your apartment, and studied the playbook, called up Brian Fitzpatrick, have meetings, and learn it inside and out because you could have done nothing else. So the fact that Tua had no idea what the playbook was last year when we had a COVID year and he had nothing else better to do to say, hey man, Coach Flores, email me the playbook. I want to start studying now since I can't really do anything else. That's all he had to do and he didn't do it. And so... These, these these things concern me. It's just like Miami is a very uh, lucrative place. And I feel like people get distracted with the business and the heat. And I'm fearing the Dolphins are both like that with these young guys. Um, so as a Miami pro sports fan, I'm a little concerned today. 
But I talked a lot about that, man. I even talked about the football. I want to hear your take on it. I loved your thorough and depth analysis of the Miami world as they ban you from there for life. Um, <laughs> for me, I'm more amazed about how the Bucks are just taking care of business. Yes, I understand that sometimes the guy, the team on the other side of the court helps you look good, but I feel like the Bucks have really come out with that fury and fire that we've been waiting for all these seasons. They've been bounced out by Miami the last few, and it's finally... Not to say revenge per se, that shouldn't be their focus. Their focus shouldn't be just beating a team, in the beating the Heat. It should be trying to make the NBA Finals, obviously. And it's nice to see that they look like a team that could make that push, could press the next round, could be the complete package that everyone keeps trying to say they're this piece away or this piece away. So for them, I'm tipping my hat to what the Bucks are doing right now. The Bucks are really looking solid. They're just firing all cylinders and like you said their defense is suffocating and that's something we often criticize the nba for is defense obviously it shows up more in the playoffs because that's where most casual fans feel like that's the time to watch is because that's when your star players are going to put it on the line they're not going to sit out these games unless there's a grave injury maybe miami sneaks one game but i don't see that being the possibility right now with the last their first game being the best shot but who knows? That's why you play the games. Maybe it goes to five games, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was a sweep as well, like you said, Nathan. Um, the game in the Eastern Conference I was looking at, again, like Nathan said off the top, Knicks, um, sorry, Knicks-Hawks game looks to be a thrilling series. But I wanted to look at the Boston-Brooklyn series, not because of the intrigue of what's going on. It pretty well went how we thought we were going to. I'm just amazed how well these superstars were able to push away the naysayers and able to put their team together against a limping Boston team, quite frankly. The Boston team, unfortunately, has a myriad of injuries, but they were shaky throughout the whole season, quite honestly. They started catching fire or getting on a hot streak towards the end of the season, but Brooklyn just finally getting their three together. They're gelling pretty well at this point, and this is a perfect opponent for them to have. Just like I mentioned with the Bucks against Miami, Brooklyn going against Boston right now, getting that chance to just get everything sorted out, get their system figured out, where guys are going to be, what they're expecting from each other, and just having that opponent that they, quite frankly, can just beat up on and not have to worry too much about to get themselves to the next round to where the real matchup for the two and the three seed get to begin um, sorry, Boston fans. I just don't see you guys pulling this one out. I did give you two games, but your two best players are injured at this point. So for you to get get a game or so, I don't see that happening at this point. But hats off to Brooklyn for putting it together and you calling it where the first-year coach usually has playoff success. Steve Nash is on his way to winning his first series. What are your thoughts on the Brooklyn series, Nathan? Yeah, I... A lot of people are saying there's no way this Nets is going to win because they they haven't really played together. T chemistry's not going to be there, and I, I agree that you need that chemistry. But like, are they blind? Like the chemistry is there. It's like, first off, before I'm going to prove it to you in a second here, but before I even prove it, look at all the teams hurt with injury this year. How many did as well as Brooklyn? I mean, Brooklyn was crushed with injury, and they're the two seed in the East, and. The favorites to win at this point, in my opinion. Like, Lakers injuries crushed them. Even 76ers injuries, Embiid was out. They didn't really play that well. And then throughout the season, different people were hurt. 
when the Clippers were injured. But when Brooklyn, it's just like two of the three guys are out, they're just still winning. <laughs> they're still figuring it all out. Like They're still winning. And it's amazing. It's just like it didn't matter. And, and here's the, the, the chemistry was there. Well, let me tell you why. First of all, Kevin Durant and James Harden played multiple years together. I'm going to OKC. They've played together. I'm sure they've kept in touch throughout the, the years. So that chemistry is there. It's been there. KD was with the Nets last year. Even though he didn't play, he was with the Nets organization. So he got to spend a lot of time with Kyrie. He got to spend a lot of time with that entire organization. He got to just learn that identity to be a Brooklyn Net. That's chemistry. Even though he didn't step on the court, you could build chemistry without even playing. He was there the entire year last year, nursing that Achilles. But he built that relationship with Kyrie and other players. And that's that's huge. You don't need to put a basketball in your hand to build chemistry. So he had that with Kyrie. Steve Nash worked in Golden State when Kevin Durant was there. Did a ton with Kevin Durant in Golden State. So Steve Nash and Kevin Durant have a relationship prior to their reunion in Brooklyn. So there's chemistry there between head coach and KD. Then, of course, Mike D'Antonio and James Harden have a ton of chemistry from their days in Houston. Right, So there's all of these pieces you put together, all these connections from former teams to current teams, coach-player, player-coach, player-player relationships that all kind of just came together in Brooklyn. And that chemistry was all there. People say, oh, they have, they've only played eight games, nine games. But when one guy goes out, they're still winning. So when they come back, they're still winning. All they do is win. It's so... I think it's very interesting. It's like people want to write them off because there's no chemistry, but people feel like you have to play basketball to build chemistry. You don't have to play basketball to build chemistry. You have to build relationships. You have to build trust. You have to build connections and networking. And they've been doing this for years before they all reunited in Brooklyn. And now they have, and they're dominating. And I think they're going to, they're the run, in my opinion, the runaway favorites as they've been this entire year for me. I've been on the Nets train and there's nothing slowing them down. So I really like how that's going, but I do want to update everybody. I forgot I was going to do this at the top of the show here, but I'll do it right now. I have a new bracket because I assume the Warriors are going to get the eight seats. So I had to rerun the simulation for the NBA 2K21. Very interesting simulation I want to share here. In the East, it Sixers, Nets, every time it's the one-two seed that makes it. The Nets win in a seven-game series, so that's very interesting there. The other, they, they have one, two, three, four, all winning the first round and one, two winning and go to the conference finals. So they have all the top seeds winning their entire. So that's not very, very interesting. The West gets interesting. They have the two worst teams, the two worst seeded teams in the Western Conference Finals. They have the Lakers and the Grizzlies facing off in the Western Conference Finals, believe it or not. And the Lakers sweeping the Grizzlies. Um, so Lakers will be a seven seed having home court advantage as a seven seed in the Western Conference Finals, according to 2K21. And Lakers will sweep them when face the Nets, who we, we both have in the championship, and Nets win in six games to the Lakers. So that's what the... Uh, NBA 2K21, they has the same championship as we do, but the, the routes, uh, the, the, the Western Conference is very interesting to NBA 2K21, the 7 and 8 seed in the Western Conference Finals. Let's let's just jump to some final predictions here. Uh, first, second, third team, All-NBA, Divas Play of the Year, and then we'll end with the MVP. So, Nick, first team, All-NBA, tell the audience who you have. 
first team all NBA, I just look at who's been those dominant factors for their team are the first ones you look at, which every team has an individual or individuals in one team's case in the Eastern Conference, where they have been dominant for their organization and really helping their team be in the right position. But this individual is one of the MVP finalists on the first team NBA, and I have Nokel Jokic, one, the first member I have, I have him as my center. Then I have Joel Embiid as a forward, which he qualified. The NBA just announced that he qualified for that, so I'm sneaking him in there. Uh, originally, I was going to pencil him in probably for second team because of time missed, but because he technically qualifies as forward, I'm going to put him there for first team. I have Giannis as the second forward for the first team, Luka for my first team guard, and then Steph Curry for my first team guard. So those are my five individuals for the first team. Who do you have, Nathan? Yep, uh, we have the same uh, five individuals individuals for the first team. Uh, you got to put the three MVP finalists in there, even though that doesn't always pan out. But um, yeah, we have the same. So yeah, I put the three MVP finalists in. I'm going to put the back-to-back MVP winner in there, who I feel like is Giannis is having a better year this year than he's had in the past two years where he won the MVP. And then I think you, you got to put the guy in there who's Luka, who's I think is the MVP of the second post-All-Star break. Luka has has carried this Mavs team to to be a five seed. And I don't, the Mavs to me just really, they're not full of talent. I mean, it's Luka and that's it. Like Tim Hardaway Jr. and Luka and Brunson. It's like Porzingis is always hurt, so you can never rely on him. So I, I'm just so impressed with the Mavs and where they're at. And obviously, I think it's really helping his case now with what he's doing to the Clippers. It's just they they have no answers for him. And he's dominating. So you got the three MVP finalists. You got the back-to-back MVP from the previous two years. And he, I, you got the who I would vote for the second half of the NBA uh, MVP in Luka for my first team. Let's jump to the second team. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see if we uh, agree here or we have some differences. I'll let you go ahead and do the honors to lead us in the second team since I did first team. Who do you have for the second team, Nathan? So, second team, I'm going to start with my guard, point guard here. I'm going to put Kyrie here. I was debating between Kyrie and Chris Paul. Uh, the reason I I ended up putting Kyrie here, one, he had better numbers. Um, but two, he he really did a good job carrying this team when KD and James Harden were out. It's like they didn't lose a step. Now, I mean, obviously they, they weren't as dominant, but like – that you didn't see them like really fall off the map like all these other teams did when they had injuries. And so I felt like Kyrie really held on to this team when when the when the Nets were facing a lot of injuries. Chris Paul obviously is could easily be here, but I put Kyrie above Chris Paul just because he had better numbers um as you know, than Chris Paul. So that's the only reason. So I got Kyrie there. I also got uh Damian Lillard, just a, a star in the league. I mean he just put great great numbers he he's he could shoot from anywhere. He's only second to to uh, Steph Curry regarding like the greatest shooter ever, in my opinion. Um, he deserves to be there. What you know what he has done um, to get Portland into the playoffs as a sixth seed with the injuries they faced. Jumping to the forwards, I'm going to put Kawhi Leonard. Not that I'm super impressed with him or with the Clippers, but he is a beast and he he's done really well this year. Um, put up great numbers, obviously carried this, or he's, you know, the best team on the Clippers and got him to a four seed in the West. So 
Um, my forward there, and then my power forward, I'm, I'm putting Julius Randle, who just won the most improved player of the year. He was an all-star this year. Just a stud. Like He put, he averaged a double-double, almost 25 points a game. Just He's the reason New York Knicks fans went crazy the other night and even got kicked out because they're dumping popcorn on people. But um, he's the reason the Knicks are back. So I just think it's... It's very necessary that he gets on this. And then finally, I'm going to wrap it up with one of the defensive finalists, Rudy Gobert, uh, Utah Jazz. Number one seed, he, he's just a defensive presence and all, also on the offensive end. He's just a stud, and obviously he deserves to be an all-NBA player. My second team agrees as well. I I had other people I thought about, but then when I looked at time they were on the court, uh, the individuals you selected for second team were the ones I agreed with completely Yes, there may be individuals that many would argue are more talented, but if you're not on the court, I can't put you up on the second team or first team. So, yeah, my second team, I completely agree with you there as well. Let's see if the third team has any difference in it. I will go ahead and start, if you don't mind. I will start all NBA third team. I have Chris Ball sneaking into this spot. I really debated the guard position is a very contentious position, in my opinion. In today's NBA, there's a lot of guards that headline or marquee, and I have Chris Paul there. Like you said before, Chris Paul is the big reason why why the Phoenix Suns find themselves way that, where they are at at this point in the season, being the second seed in the West. Yes, injuries help that issue, but he was the big reason why they are. The other individual I'm going to put here, I really wrestled with James Harden, but ultimately I just felt like he ended up missing a lot of time and how the season started for him. He, he didn't start out bad, it just... Things just didn't go as smoothly as I would hope to see for him. I just felt like he missed a lot of time. So I'm going to give it to Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal did a great job this season, averaging 31 points per game. I understand points per game is not what should be the ultimate factor. but And then for forwards, I'm going to put Kevin Durant here, simply because it's hard for me not to put him on the list. I, he is talented. He's not, because of the time miss, he doesn't warrant a first team or second team, in my opinion, but he is very talented, so he should earn some honor honor in that. And then my other forward would be LeBron James. He was, before his injury with his ankle, he was putting at MVP numbers. He was, uh, you and I were saying he was going to be the end of season MVP at midseason. We were guessing that's what he's going to be by the end of the season just because of how well he's playing, but an ankle injury sidelined him. So I have Kevin Durant and LeBron James as the forwards. Those seem like easy answers. And then for my center, I don't know if he qualifies for it, but I do feel like Zion Williamson deserves some love there. I don't think he qualifies as a center, though, so I'm not going to go with him. I'm going to go with um, your guy from the Heat, Bam. Who do you have for your third team, Nathan? Yeah, we differ here a bit. Um, the one thing, I, like I said, when I presented my second team, I think Kyrie and Chris could be swapped, but I have Chris here in the third team simply because he just didn't have the numbers uh, that Kyrie did. Um, but I feel like he is more valuable to his team, though. Um, I do have Bradley Beal as well. I, I, do, I felt like Bradley Beal had the most success than any other player playing with Russell Westbrook. I, I liked how they meshed. I thought their chemistry was good, and obviously he was really close to that scoring title, so I feel like he should be on here. So let's turn to my, for, uh, my forwards. I have LeBron James as well. Um, he clearly would be probably further up this list if it wasn't for his injuries. I think he sneaks in just because of his value to the Lakers is next to none. 
and um, clearly he's needed on that team for them to go anywhere. Um, and then my other forward I have is Jimmy Butler. I felt this guy's energy from the year before, from their uh, finals run that they made, carried over. If there's one guy that I thought brought the same energy or got better from last year to this year on that Heat team, it's Jimmy Butler. Bam, I felt like was the same. Everyone else I'm kind of disappointed in. Uh, but Jimmy Butler, he I think he brought it. He improved his shooting, especially he's been, he's more clutch this year. He's uh, His stats are fantastic. He's missed a little bit of time, but not as much time as like a LeBron James did or Kevin Durant. So I, I, I simply have him in here above Kevin Durant because KD to me has missed too much time for me to put him in there. And plus... They've had a lot of success without KD in the lineup. That speaks volumes to me. So um, Jim, when Jimmy Butler's out of the Heat lineup, they're bad. They're a really bad team. When he's in the lineup, they're a fantastic team. Just not right now, but <laughs> all season they were. Um, so I, I feel like Jimmy Butler should sneak in there. Um, and then I got Sabonis of the Pacers with the center. Uh, I think he qualifies as a center. I didn't even think of Zion, but... Zion could sneak, I think, because this could be a popularity contest and actually take Butler's spot or, in your case, KD's spot because he dominated this year as an all-star, maybe an all-star starter. So he just had a, a weaker second half to his season, which I think kind of kept him off this list, maybe potentially keep him off this list. But I feel like sometimes it's a popularity game, the big name wins, and I think Zion could sneak in, actually. So... But I have I have Sabonis as my center, so um, we differ there a little bit. Yeah, and when you get the third team, especially with a position like center that isn't as glorified as it was, I I feel like the names aren't they don't stick out as much once you get so far down. Especially when we put two centers, two two individuals that play a lot of center in the first team, you kind of start like really having to dig for that last one. I felt like third center was harder for me just because I had Rudy. And then it pit Jokic and then Embiid there. So for me, it started becoming like, oh man, like who qualifies as a center that could get up there? Yeah, but guess what? Two of the three MVP finalists are uh, centers. So <laughs> maybe they're they're making a comeback. Yeah, absolutely. So now we're going to look at who do we think will be the defensive MVP based on our final or based on the NBA's finalists, and then the MVP in the NBA. So. I'll go ahead and start off with the defensive MVP. I think it's going to be Rudy Gobert. He is the anchor to that team. He is the reason why they are as stout as they are and find themselves in the number one seed. He has that presence, and the best thing about him is availability. He is out there for them. He played 71 of the 72 games this season, so he is my vote for defensive player of the year. Who do you have, Nathan? Yeah, uh, we disagree here. Um, I think Rudy has made his run as defensive player of the year. I think he won it two years ago, and he's probably I think he's won it more than once. But I'm gonna give give it to a guy that I feel like um, is only in the NBA because of his defense. Uh, his offensive game to me is uh, lackluster. But I think Ben Simmons is gonna get it this year. Uh, the Sixers have been one of the best defensive team, if not the best defensive team, in the NBA this year. Um, obviously Joel Embiid was a big part of that, but I think Ben Simmons is the key to it all. Um, he can guard every position easily. He really disrupts a lot of offenses because he's so lengthy. 
Um, like I said, he can guard every position. It doesn't matter if the superstar is the point guard or, or a power forward or even a center. He's got him. Um, and so, and he made a he made one comment earlier this year, which I thought was hysterical. He's like, supposedly, you know, everyone's saying Rudy Gobert is the defensive player of the year, but I scored 42 points on him, and I supposedly can't shoot the ball to save my life. So, um, I think we all know who the real defensive player of the year is. So, um, I, I think we uh, disagree here, but uh, I'll be curious. I think it's going to be between those two for sure, though. And then let's jump to the MVP. We have the three finalists. Who? Do, let's do it two ways. Let's say who do you think it should go to and who do you think is going to win it? Who I think should win it? Steph Curry, I think, should win it. All three gentlemen mean a lot to their team, but like I said before, if it wasn't for Steph Curry, the Warriors wouldn't even be sniffing the playoffs or even had themselves in the play-in tournament. They would be another, they would be in store for another lottery pick last year. Prove that when so I I would say Steph Curry from in my opinion would be the MVP, but who I think is going to be the MVP is a whole different matter. I think Jokic will end up winning it. He just put up great numbers. Denver Nuggets some love, so I believe Jokic ends up winning it. I believe that's who's picked. Who do you have, Nathan? Yeah, so MVP, I think it's it really depends on what your definition of MVP is, and we talk about this all the time. But my definition of MVP is not necessarily um, what the MVP really is. I wish they would just change it. Just give it to like the best basketball player award, you know, not the most valuable player. Cause when I hear valuable, I think of someone that really brings the most value to a team. And I think Steph Curry of the three finalists is that, but to be honest with you, I think Chris Paul is the MVP and he's not a finalist, but if I would, if I could vote on anybody right now, it'd be him. And I would vote on him over Steph Curry simply because they're in the playoffs. I would probably vote Steph Curry to be MVP if they were like a seven seed, but, um, Right now, I vote Chris Paul and Steph Curry be number two, but neither of them obviously are going to win it. Um, Steph Curry's not because they make the playoffs, and Chris Paul's not because he's not a finalist. So between a B and Jokic, it's easy between those two. Um, and B just missed way too many games. Jokic is um, put up numbers like crazy. Um, he's always been this good. He just keeps getting better. He's not an MVP to me, but. I think what really puts him over the top was Embiid gets hurt. The Sixers are still a number one team in the East. Jokic doesn't get hurt, but their second best player, Jamal Murray, gets hurt. Jokic carries this team along with support from the other players on that team to keep them a top three seed in the West. And I think to me, that's the difference. And um, all the games Embiid missed, they still the number one seed. Is he that valuable? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Um, I think it's, I think it's more Doc Rivers able to make that teamwork the best. Jokic, though, with the injury they 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 had, he carried that team. Guys obviously also stepped up, but he just put up the stats um, as well, and that's what really what it comes down to. People just like the stats, and people just like the stories. Um, I'm gonna guess this is the first Serbian player to ever win MVP. Um, I don't think that's a stretch to take to, to take that guess, but um, but yeah, it's great. So I think it's going to be Jokic, and uh, but I would vote Chris Paul if I had a vote. So very interesting season thus far. Um, lots of great playoff series we didn't touch on, but they're still fascinating to say the least. As always, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a great time. 
talking about the PGA Championship, reliving the NBA playoffs up to this point, and then picking our NBA all-teams as well as MVP and Defensive Player Year. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been Nathan Singer. I'm Nick Alvarez. We are the Sports Forecasters, and we'll see you next time.